So uh, we're going to be continuing in our three-week series that we're in the middle of right now, kind of in the second week, uh, about our mission as a church. So if you missed us last week, that's okay. Uh, feel free to listen to the podcast. But um, you know, our mission as, as a church is super important to us. So we begin every August uh, as kind of the new year. Hey, what are we about? Like we can, like lots of people gather for lots of reasons. And what is this community, these people that are gathered here on a Sunday morning, what are we really giving our uh, time and energy to? And, and so we, we looked at this threefold mission that we have as a church, which is to love God, to love people, and awaken the movement that Jesus, became, Jesus began. Um, and, and that centers around these three relationships that Jesus had in his life. So we looked at this first relationship where, where Jesus has this just love, deep love for God, this communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit, just this deep uh, priority in, the, in the, the life of Jesus to love God. And we we kind of looked at how our lives first and foremost, are for loving and knowing God. Not just facts, not just intellectual pursuit, but a, a deep relationship with God. Um, and then the, the next two parts of our mission is what we're gonna be studying over the next two weeks and kind of thinking and dreaming about. What does it look like for us to love people? And what does it look like for us to participate in the mission of God on earth? And so this week, we're gonna be looking at that, that middle part, love people. And last week, we described it as this inward priority. So we got this upward priority that Jesus had, an inward priority where he had this close relationship uh, with a small group of people that he just went deep with in community uh, that he cared so much about. And next week, we'll kind of look at the outward priority where the love of Jesus begins to envelop those in the world that are experienced brokenness and suffering and oppression and those that did not know God. So that's where we're going. Um, so if you want to turn with us, we're going to be in Matthew 22 to begin. It's on page 483. If we're using one of these blue Bibles, feel free to stand up and grab one. If you want to follow along with us, throw on the communion tables around the room. Uh, and then we're going to turn over to Acts 2 as well, if you want to have a placeholder there, page 531. Matthew 22, Acts chapter 2. So, um, you know, I want to set the stage for this week and next week. And, you know, if you remember last week, we looked at how in this story, there's this moment when Jesus is kind of teaching and preaching, uh, doing his healing ministry kind of uh, all around the Sea of Galilee. And, and Jesus encounters these people called the Pharisees and they're trying to trip him up because they're, they're in power, they're in leadership, and Jesus is kind of revolutionizing and undermining their power. So they try and trip him up with this question. And they say, Jesus, like summarize all of like God's heart for humanity in, in one command. Like what, what does it all mean? One, one phrase. And, and they're just trying to trip Jesus up. And in classic Jesus fashion, he, he responds and blows everyone's minds. And so uh, I want you to read with me Matthew chapter 22, um, and then we'll, uh, we'll keep going. So uh, I'll just begin with his response, verse 38. I'm sorry, verse 37. He said, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Some translations say strength as well. Verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Or in other words, on these two commandments, God's heart is built. And, and, and I love this moment for Jesus where he, he's summing up all of what our lives are to be about. Like you wanna know what life is about? Jesus answers the question here. Love God with everything that you are, every fiber of your being, every aspect of your life. Give God all of that in loving relationship with him and then allow that love to overflow into other people as you love your neighbor as yourself. So it starts with this love for God and it continues. And we see this in the life of Jesus, that he wasn't just like a spiritual hermit. 
Like he wasn't holed up in the side of a hill somewhere, just like being a monk and just solitude and prayer and silence with God. No, it's like he had these times of love and, and deep communion with God where he would like get away and disappear to be with God. But his whole life was with people. Right, the whole story of Jesus' life is him interacting with people and loving people and, and um, just inviting the, the kingdom of God into the lives of the people um, that he uh, encountered. And so our lives too, in the same ways that the, the love of God like burst through just these boundaries of heaven and came to earth to envelop us in his love, the same way the, the love of God in us is to like burst the boundaries of our own individuality and include and envelop and invite other people into the love of God as well. So this week, we're gonna look at our second part of that mission statement, to love people. So this concept of love, just before we get too far into it, is, is a posture that will guide the next two weeks. So when we start talking about like living on mission, participating in the mission of God in the world, we're not leaving behind the posture of love even though maybe our mission statement doesn't have the, the word explicitly there, like awaken a movement, still loving people when we're doing that, right? So instead of thinking about um, these two separate categories of like love for community and love for people and deep friendships, and then separate having like the mission of God and living on mission in the world as two separate things, uh, I want you to think about this. If you can have the picture in your mind, you can write it down if it's helpful, of concentric circles outward, concentric circles of love. So in the middle, we have this central, deep priority of loving God, of just being with God and knowing God. And then out of that love, we begin to love other people in our close community, in these deep friendships where we're walking through life together and spurring each other on uh, towards this journey with Jesus. And then out of that, we begin to love and push past through that to loving people in the world experiencing brokenness and suffering and those who don't yet know Jesus. And you can think of it as like whenever we love anybody, whenever we encounter anyone, it's this arrow that starts in the middle of the circle and just shoots outward. Um, it's always out of this posture of love for God, for others, and for those in the world that don't yet know Jesus. So um, that's kind of the image that I want you to, to have in mind. So as, as we kind of wrestle with this, what does it look like for us to embody this inward priority of Jesus? Uh, we see this all throughout his life. Right, like, so he goes intentionally and just picks some friends. Like, not many people get to do that. It's like, it kind of happens, and Jesus is like, no, you, okay, get up. You're my friend now. Okay, you, come follow me. And uh, most of us don't have, like, the authority or the confidence to do that. Um, and Jesus just, like, picks 12 guys, and he's like, y'all are going to be my crew for the next three years. And um, that's just how he did it. I don't know if I would, like, recommend that for, like, the first few weeks of college, if that's you. Um, kind of let those happen more naturally. But, but Jesus has this close friendship with these 12 men. And then even within that 12, we see him over and over having these moments where he invites just three of them into these more intimate moments. Like when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, he pulls these inner three, these close, deep friendships that he walks through life with. And you just think about, he like ate with these people. He, he traveled with them. Uh, he laughed with them. I, like, I love thinking about Jesus telling jokes, like playing a, playing a prank on Bartholomew. I'm like, what, what was Jesus's humor like? He cried with these people. He loved them so deeply. And it's just this picture of devotion to other people and love for other people that I think like God wants us to also participate in. And when we think about being devoted to one another, this idea of devotion to other people in love, um, I can't help but think of this picture that we get in Acts chapter two. So I want you to turn to Acts chapter two, page 531. This is kind of how we'll frame this specific week. I think it's page 531, yeah. Acts chapter two, uh, down in verse uh, 30, uh, 42, 242. 
And uh, I, I wanna read this briefly and then unpack just a couple things about what it looks like for us to, to really give ourselves to a deep community um, of God. So let's read Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this picture in Acts chapter two uh, is this picture of kind of the first followers of Jesus about 40 or 50 days after Jesus has died uh, and then resurrected and then ascended back to heaven. They've received the Holy Spirit so just before this story, if you're familiar with the story, this is the day of Pentecost where um, the, the disciples and the apostles are in a room praying and God pours out the Holy Spirit onto, onto the believers. And it's just this amazing moment where these miraculous signs are happening. People are getting healed. People are coming to know God, uh, being baptized. It's this huge outpouring of the presence of God. And it's really important here that we don't disconnect that story from what's happening here in Acts 2.42. Uh, the, same, the same work of the Spirit, the same power of the Spirit that displayed all these signs and wonders at the day of Pentecost is the same power of the Spirit that is working to develop this community of love and devotion to one another. Uh, so we have to see that the Holy Spirit's work begins uh, through salvation at the beginning of Acts 2 and then continues as this community devotes themselves to one another. So if we could sum up this short passage I think what it's really saying is this is what the Holy Spirit can do in a community. Um, I don't think it's trying to lay out like specific rules and structures for how church is supposed to operate, right? Um, like we got to contextualize it a little bit. These are ancient people living in first century uh, and they like live together. They, their houses are right next to each other. And there's some contextual things. It's like, okay, we live in an urban context and we're all super busy and we don't live next to each other. So what does it look like for us to see some of the principles of devotion and love for one another here? And then see, okay, what does this look like in our community? Like Hillsborough Village, 2017. Like what does it look like for us to embody this type of devotion in our contexts? So here's, here's the goal for for you today from, from me is that if you are not connected uh, in any type of deep and biblical community, my prayer and hope for you today is to take a step towards that type of community. And if you're already plugged in in a community like that, uh, I want you to take a step deeper and, and be more deeply devoted to those people. So let's talk about devotion first. You know, this passage in the, in the text is usually titled uh, The Fellowship of the Believers, um, but, but they talk a lot about devotion. They were devoted to this and devoted to that. So um, I want you to think for a moment, how, how do you know what you're devoted to? Like, what are you devoted to in life? How do we show that we're devoted to things or to people? We might be devoted to like watching Game of Thrones. Like some of you are like ready for that tonight. Is it tonight? I don't watch. Okay, maybe. Game of Thrones, okay, Jared's like, yeah, tonight, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like we can do, be devoted to that. We can be devoted um, to being healthy, uh, to being fit. We can be devoted to having a good marriage or d investing in a friendship, maybe predators, hockey. That's me. Uh, we, we can be devoted to our school, to our job, to our family. There's all these things that we can be devoted to, but how do we know that we're devoted to them? 
I think what we think about and prioritize and orient our lives around are the things that we're devoted to. Things that we think about, the things that we uh, prioritize and orient our lives around are the things that we're devoted to. And the conversation about which things are really helpful and life-giving and enriching for us to be devoted to against those things that are not as helpful, that's a different conversation. But today I wanna look at the, the devotion of these believers. Clearly the emphasis here is on this devotion to fellowship. Now, I don't know what you think about fellowship, um, but I have this like picture of small talk and like trite conversation when I think of fellowship. I don't know how you grew up uh, in church or if you grew up in church or not, but we had a fellowship hall and it was like, that's where fellowship happens. Outside of that, like gloves are off, like no fellowship required. But like I still, when someone says fellowship, I like smell casserole and like think of small talk, right? And it's like, that's kind of the picture of fellowship that some of us have. It's like, oh, the fellowship. And um, I don't think that's what we, what we see here. If our definition is trite and shallow, our practice of this will be deeply flawed. So I wanna give us a definition that's more robust, that includes what fellowship truly is uh, in this text. So fellowship, if you wanna write this down, fellowship is the regular interaction of believers who share a deep concern for one another. Fellowship is the regular interaction of believers who share a deep concern for one another. And that concern is holistic. It's spiritual, relational, emotional, uh, vocational, physical, financial, like holistic concern for one another. This is what fellowship looks like. And I don't think you can read this picture of what the early church sort of really uh, thought was important and say, yeah, it seems like the idea is that they like said a prayer um, maybe got baptized and then they like spent an hour a week just kind of like listening to someone talk and then like didn't talk to each other for a week and then like just did that over and over again. Like that's the picture of devotion. And however contextualized we need to make this, that's not what we're after. It can't be all that God has for us in community. And if that's all our experience of church is, we're gonna be disappointed. I've shared this before when reading Acts 2, but um, I think it's kind of interesting to uh, rewrite Acts 2 for two. Acts 2, 42 through 47 for like a modern context about what we actually see sometimes sort of as satire. So maybe some churches feel that it sounds more like this. The Christians were devoted to themselves and occasionally went to church when they had time. No one was filled with awe because there were no signs and wonders performed by the believers. Very few of them were together and they had almost nothing in common because they were too busy to spend time together. If they sold something, it was usually just to buy something better for themselves. They ate quickly and on the run, kept to themselves and led very busy lives so that they could rarely enjoy one another or give praise to God. As a result, most people didn't like them and their numbers decreased, right? So like, as funny and as satirical as that is, like I've been a part of churches like that. Like sometimes I'm like, crap, my life sort of looks like that sometimes. I'm super busy, I eat really quickly and on the run, I don't really sit down with people all the time. And even in this community, it's like, do we really embody devotion or is it more like this, yeah, once a week, I'll just kind of show up and, and do the thing and then leave. So I wanna talk about fellowship for a moment and, and like why it's important and why we wanna give ourselves to it. Uh, and so we're gonna talk about the motivation or the benefits of it, why it's important, and then maybe some obstacles as well um, that prevent us from pursuing this. So the motivation for fellowship is also what benefits us. So you think about a diet. It's like no one just goes on a diet. It's like, you, gotta, you, you do it for something. So you either want the beach bod or you like just wanna feel healthy or you wanna uh, just, you know, there's, there's always an end goal, right? Um, 
Same thing with like working on uh, an assignment for school. It's like, if you want the A, that's why you pull the late nighter, not just to pull the late nighter, right? So the, the benefits of fellowship are gonna be what motivates us, okay? So here's the deal. I think we're all motivated by happiness. I'll just generalize it. Sweeping statement. We're all motivated by happiness in life. Joy, happiness, however you want to describe it. Um, Happiness and joy drives almost all of your desires and my desires, whether we realize it or not. I think uh, that is not in conflict with loving and knowing God. Sometimes we think that God has this agenda that we shouldn't be happy, that we shouldn't experience joy so I think we just mix up what actually brings us happiness and joy and think, God, well, God is supposed to give me this and I didn't get that, so maybe God is not after my joy when actually what God is inviting us into is the deepest and truest fulfillment of joy when we know and love and embody the life of Jesus. So we just mix it up. We, we give it our pursuit of joy to money or sex or work instead of seeing those things uh, through the lens of the love of God in our lives. So if we're driven by joy, I think it's impossible to find it without a deep community in life. Impossible to experience joy and happiness in life without deep, and I'll say even biblical community. Jesus understood this, right? Like Jesus could have come to earth and just like died on the cross immediately. Like why didn't he do that? Why did he spend three years like loving people so much? I think Jesus understood that there's something about the human experience that we were created for Uh, an experience of community, of love for others. The church in Acts understood this. Like the Holy Spirit working itself out in relationships with other people looked like devotion to fellowship. You know who else understood this? Aristotle, funny enough. Um, Crazy. So this guy that we attribute, like the height of ethical thought sometimes, he's like, yeah, happiness is impossible without friends. He's like, it's just, you can't really do it. Core to Aristotle's ethics is a deep friendship because he believed, listen to this, good friendships call us out of ourselves and challenge us to see beyond what he calls pinched horizons of self-concern and self-interest by asking us to identify with another person and his or her good. It's like, that'll preach. Come on, Aristotle. Um, Pinched horizons of self-concern and self-interest. That's what happens when we're just individuals isolating ourselves from other people. He's saying you, you have to interact with others. So I, I think that the, and I believe that the life of following Jesus has to be a communal endeavor because our transformation into the goodness and the holiness of Jesus, which is where joy is found, only happens when we're in deep friendship and community with others who, who feel that way as well. I'll say that again. The life of following Jesus has to be a communal endeavor has to be because our transformation in the goodness and the holiness of Jesus, which is where our deepest joy is found, only happens when we're in deep community and friendship with others who really believe that as well. So this isn't just a group of people that like sailing and it's like, yeah, that's my community. Um, It can be, and it's okay and good to have deep friendships there. But what we're talking about is a community of other people devoted to loving God and devoted to loving each other. And that type of community gives us the perseverance and the opportunity to expand that circle of love that we talked about more and more so we can be more deeply formed into the image of Jesus. I think it helps us do this in in, in a couple ways. I think it helps us know ourselves. I'm terrible at knowing myself without other people. I don't know about you, but self-knowledge for me is like limited. Um, It's selective, even sometimes deliberately cloudy. 
Like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna really like admit to myself without other people, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can be stubborn. <laughs> I can be overly critical of myself and others. Uh, I, I can be a little self-righteous or just judgmental sometimes. It's like in isolation, there's no way I'm admitting that and working on that. But in community, as we work out these relationships of love, it reveals as a mirror the places in our lives where we can take steps towards embodying the image of Jesus. I think it also gives us the opportunity to develop habits um, of, uh, of spiritual uh, fruit. Maybe that's how we wanna put it. Virtue, spiritual fruit, like caring, generosity, patience, kindness, forgiveness. These things can't exist apart from another. Like you can't be a forgiving person if there's not a person on the other side. You can't be a caring person if all you care about is you. So, so um, I think... Uh, we have to have other people or we're not gonna grow in these characteristics and we're gonna miss out on the deepest life that God has for us. And we wanna be a community here in which people who love God support and encourage and challenge one another, steady one another when we're tempted and uh, we wanna cash it in and give up. We wanna supply the energy and the zeal and the commitment to follow this path of loving God and loving others when some of us lose our motivation. So that's the benefit, that's, the, that's what drives us, that's the motivation behind why we're devoting ourselves to this. But why don't we do it? Like, why is this so hard? Facebook, that'd be, that'd be an easy one. It's like Facebook's destroyed our friendship. It's that, but it's deeper than that. That's definitely part of the problem, but it's deeper than that. I think uh, there's a ton of reasons we could highlight, but I just wanna highlight two. I think one way is a worship of independence. That's one of the obstacles for us desiring and pursuing fellowship, worship of independence. So I think we crave and exalt a contemporary culture that uh, loves independence. So the, the, the height of maturity is to be independent from others. So you've grown up when you're no longer financially dependent on anyone else. You're paying your own rent, you've got your mortgage, you're financially independent. That's maturity, right? We wanna be relationally independent. So whether it's good or bad, however you believe on this, like the, the average age of marriage and kids is just like skyrocketing in our culture. More and more people wanna devote themselves to their work rather than a spouse or a family. That's just, what, that's the facts of what's happening. So there's this trend of being more relationally independent. We, we wanna be spiritually independent. It's like, I wanna enjoy Jesus, but like not with you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really wanna do that with you. Like that's the blunt way to say it, but that's how a lot of us functionally believe and live out our faith journeys. We have our personal spiritual walks, which is true and good. Like God saves us to a personal journey with him, but love for God, hear me on this. Love for God is not love for God if it's not love for people. Love for God cannot be love, true love for God if you don't love other people. So I think we worship independence financially, relationally, spiritually, but I also think we have this fear of vulnerability. This is the one that really gets me, fear of vulnerability. So a lot of people say they want community and deep friendship and they're like, yes, the local church, that's where I wanna have my community. But because it takes accountability and perseverance and commitment and most of the time vulnerability, we just kind of run the other way. It's really hard to open yourself up to someone, especially someone that you're like, not super close with, to continually live into this practice of authenticity and vulnerability. It's like, that's tough. There's this fear of being hurt, being rejected, of being shamed. And some of you have, have really experienced this hurt in community. And I do not at all want to invalidate or minimize the pain. 
that people in this room have probably felt as the result of being vulnerable with others. And that hurt um, and the pain and the betrayal and the disappointment we feel in relationships influences and counsels us to live cautiously and guardedly with people we don't know out of fear of rejection. That fear teaches us to narrow our circle of love rather than extend it over and over through self-giving, vulnerable, sacrificial love. So that's tough. And it's also really tough to do that in like an hour on Sundays, right? It's like, I can't really go deep in the welcome. Like, hey, like this is my major, this is what I do. All right, cool, now it's time to sing, right? I can't really go deep there. So how do, how do we try to embody this at Ethos? If it's this important, if we believe this is important, how are we trying to take steps in this? So I'll give you two things. Firstly, it's something we're doing right now. Something we're doing right now. So we have weekly worship gatherings every Sunday. And you'll notice what I didn't call them. We, we didn't call them worship services. So maybe you've noticed this before in our community, maybe you haven't. Uh, but this is really intentional language on our part because service implies some sort of posture of consuming. It's like I went to get my car serviced. Um, the church is not a place where you show up and receive spiritual and physical and relational services. Um, that posture of consumption will destroy fellowship and community. The posture that we wanna have is this place where we gather as one body to worship God. That's why we call it a worship gathering. So that's really intentional on our part. So every week there are opportunities for us to take steps in deepening this fellowship, this community. And I know that's hard. Um, like, real talk. We're noticing that we have a lot of transient folks in this community. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We have a lot of college students kind of in and out, trying out different communities. And that, that's a healthy and good thing, I think, for, for anybody to do. Uh, we have a lot of young professionals that are here for a year and then get moved away for a different job. That's just kind of what happens. So it can feel a little weird to be like, okay, I developed this relationship with these people and then this person left or this person left. That's just kind of, it's kind of what happens. We have two different worship gatherings. Some of you are in a house church with people from other campuses. We want community, but you know, we're also just busy, right? Like that's number one obstacle for me sometimes. Just, I'm just busy, I don't have time. It's like, you wanna hang out? It's like, October, like, does that work for you? It's what it feels like sometimes. It's like, oh, let me add another thing. Let me also be devoted to fellowship, like cool Larkin. Um, so busyness will prevent us from this. Um, but here's how I just wanna invite you into doing this in some simple ways because of this space. I'm gonna try and be really creative this year to figure out ways to help us take steps on Sundays into deeper fellowship. Because um, I know we're all just, Busy. Maybe we can have a, a different day to talk about busyness. Um, but, but you have a choice every time you come in here uh, to isolate yourself or, or to interact with other people. Um, you, have, you have a choice where you can show up and just receive and consume uh, individually or, or you can show up and interact and connect with other people. You can sit next to people you don't know and you haven't met before and get to know them a little bit. That's a huge step. Like let's not trivialize deepening relationships. That's a good and healthy thing for us. You can sit with people you know and go intentionally deeper. Take communion with them, process out loud what God's doing in your heart. And you can go out to lunch with people, like novel concept, you're already eating lunch. Invite somebody. These are easy steps that we can take on Sundays to deepen this community. And we're gonna try and be more and more creative with how to do that on Sundays as well. Second way we try and do this is through house churches. So this is our version of small groups. Uh, we, we call them house churches. And, and this is the way that we try to accomplish deep community in our church. 
Like it's the way. Uh, we're a very simple and lean church. We have very few programs. There's not a thing on Tuesday night and a thing on Wednesday morning and a thing on Thursday at lunch. It's like house church and Sunday mornings. Like, and then we serve in the community. Like that's, that's what we do. And so these house churches are small groups to me all throughout, all throughout the city, uh, once a week or sometimes every other week. And they just devote themselves to God and each other. That's what they do. They, they eat meals, they get around the word, they pray, they share burdens, they play games, they share good and the hard times. And this is what house churches do. And when that level of community is experienced during the week, this community on Sundays is deepened as well. And we have more opportunities to, to be devoted to fellowship as well. So house churches aren't perfect. Um, there are house churches that have been amazing and have this just deep devotion to one another. But you can show up to a, a house church and still be strangers for an entire year. Like I've done that before. And, and so it takes some level of intentionality and, and vulnerability, but it also really takes ultimately the Holy Spirit opening up our hearts, giving us a vision for deep community. So here, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Um, if you don't have any type of deep biblical community, um, you have the opportunity to enter into that today. Uh, we're gonna have house church signups after this worship gathering. Um, and th there's no pressure to sign up if you're kind of a new student and not really sure where you're gonna end up. Um, would rather you like really think about that and pray through that than to sign up and you know, kind of bail. But uh, the, the, the goal is to offer you a space to get plugged into deeper community. Like that's what we want for this church. That's what we want for this community. So um, you'll have the opportunity to do that afterwards if you want. We're gonna have some, some people out there that'll help you and Joshua will give you some instructions at the end. But um, if you don't have any sort of community or you wanna plug into one, that's, that's step number one. If you already have this type of community, but it's not connected to ethos, you can start a house church if you want. If you're like, man, I already got these group of like 10 friends, we're close and we're going deep. It would be great to have some training and resources. We can do that. Um, so I, I want to invite you to do that and to go deeper with that community. Like if you've got a group of friends, you're all just kind of shallow and cashing it in and, and never talking about deep things of the heart and of like what life is about, of loving God and loving others, like take some steps, get your friend group together and say, hey, how are we growing together? Like what are our dreams? What are our goals? What are the obstacles? What are the fears? Begin to pursue deeper relationships there. So just in a moment, we're gonna take communion. Um, and this is something we do every week. There's communion on the tables. And regardless of if you're a part of ethos or not, uh, if you're a believer or not, we, we welcome you to participate in communion with us. Um, so the, the bread and the juice are on the tables. And in just a moment, I'll, I'll invite you to get up. And here's, here's just what I want you to do. Um, if, uh, if you feel comfortable, we're, we're gonna open up these doors and there's a porch out here. There's a porch out on the front. Um, you, you can circle up your chairs. You can just take it individually if you like. But I'd really encourage you, if you came with somebody, um, to get with them and to just take communion with one another, um, to take the communion and, and just pray against maybe an obstacle you feel in this area. Man, I'm really scared of being vulnerable with others. Let me just take a step in that. I've been really fearful of whatever it is in your life. And just take a step towards vulnerability today and uh, pray about uh, potentially joining a house church as well. So let me pray for us. You can stand. I'll pray for us and then send us to communion. God, we thank you for this opportunity uh, today, for this opportunity to gather together and to worship you. We're not here to just be served. We, we want to receive and, uh, and give mutually to one another in this community. So I, I pray, Holy Spirit, in the same way that your power worked itself out in the first community of believers in Acts 2, you would do the same in this community as well, that you would call us out of our silos of love 
and push us, uh, expand our circles of love to include one another, to push past the obstacles of busyness and our, our goals of individuality and obstacles of just all the things that happen in our lives that prevent us from wanting to do this. Would you help us, Holy Spirit? Give us the eyes and the vision for this, but also the motivation and the courage to take steps. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.